a young man that Paul took under his wing, prayed for him consistently, and with the express purpose of urging him on to maturity. He was teaching Timothy to recognize God's activity in his life and to become a mentor himself. He tells Timothy in that same letter in the second chapter, verse 1, because it wasn't just enough for Timothy to imitate Paul. He wanted Timothy to continue that practice. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul's example of mentoring is actually what I came to know first as multiplication. That was my first experience, my first understanding of mentoring during my sophomore year of college. Up until that point, my primary mentor, an example of how to live as a godly woman, had been my mother. She was a great example, as I'll share a bit later, later though. Her example, as any mother's does, had shortcomings, and it left me needing the influence of other people to mentor me. Those of us who are mothers realize that it's a blessing for another woman to come alongside our children. Excuse me. My first experience as a mentee brought a rapid period of growth in my walk with God. My mentor challenged me to put my story of how I came to Christ into words so that I could seek out opportunities on campus to share my faith with unbelievers. I've been taught the Bible all my life. Honestly, I didn't remember a day when I didn't know who Jesus is. But I also realized I had so much to learn yet about who Jesus is. My time spent with Lynn, my first mentor, taught me the importance of personal Bible study, growing understanding of my salvation, God's love and grace, God's purposes for me, and ultimately a deeper love and faith, love for and faith in God. I came into a better under, an understanding at a heart level of what I had known in my head all, all of my childhood. My mom and I continued to have engaging discussions about biblical ideas, and I was excited to tell her about how God was transforming me. So even in the midst of this, I still had my mom influencing and mentoring my life. Sadly, though, I didn't have another mentor for years after graduating from college. I think that's a common thing in our culture today, too. After college, I entered the workforce. I got married, and while I still held to my faith and I walked with God, I had little encouragement from another woman on a regular basis to um, pour into me spiritually. And as I consider the rate of growth I had spiritually, I have to admit, it had slowed to a crawl. Then I had my first child and my second. And for the first time in 10 years, I found myself at home, no longer working outside of my home. And I felt the the lack of growth in my life. I remember telling my mom how much I needed to exercise. I thought that was my biggest priority at the time because I still had baby weight to take off, and who was I going to complain to about that but my mom, okay? Well, she didn't really encourage me. Well, she did. She told me, she asked me how much effort I was putting into my relationship with God. She used the passage in 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, that says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I knew what she said was true, and I wanted that. I just didn't know how to do that. That was when Grace, my new mentor, 
And if I get choked up, it's because these women changed my life. She came into my life. I didn't know she was my mentor. She didn't know she was my mentor. She just naturally did what the Bible commands women to do, and I desperately needed her. The passage of scripture with specific instruction for a woman to mentor another woman is found in Titus 2, verses 3 through 5. And I don't know if we are, have that one. I'm, I want you to take a note of this. If you have all your journals are sitting in front of you, <clears throat> because I'm going to challenge you later to do something with this passage. So I'd like you to write down at least the reference so you can do that. It's Titus 2, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm okay. It's actually, I think uh, the culprit is milk. <laughs> Um, old, this, this passage says, and I want to wait until we're quiet because I want you to hear this. I'm going to go back to it um, more than once during this time. But this is really the meat of, of what it, the Bible says about what a woman is supposed to do in mentoring another woman. There's no other place in scripture that addresses this exact topic. It says, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slave to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. And the whole reason for this is so that the word of God may not be reviled. Grace was my older woman. Now, she wasn't that much older than me, honestly. She had four boys who were older than my two, and I could relate to her. She didn't make a show of teaching me these things Paul teaches. She did them, and I watched her example. Let me dive into this passage a little deeper. When you hear the description here of older women are to influence younger women, I wonder if you've ever asked yourself which category you might be in. What do you think? Are you one of the older women? Are you one of the younger women? The older women are characterized by their behavior, not just their age. They're, they're recognized by others as someone with actions befitting a woman consecrated to God. She's taught by her pastor. You notice that he's not telling Titus to teach the younger women. He's telling them to teach the older women. And so she's taught by her pastor and her own personal study of scripture. She's likely a woman who is in Bible study, with her, maybe with her peers. Maybe she's a leader of a study. At the very least, she lives her life and makes her decisions from wisdom that she's gained from a close relationship to God and in an understanding of her identity in Christ. Now let's look back at some of the qualities about her. She's not a slanderer. That word literally is translated double-tongued. She doesn't gossip. She doesn't false, falsely accuse others. She doesn't sow discord. Instead, her relationships are characterized by affirming others, encouraging them to be concerned with the needs of others rather than pursuing self. The next quality is she's not a slave to wine. And I think this, we look at this and we're like, okay, she doesn't drink a lot. What this passage is actually saying is that she's not a slave to anything other than what the Holy Spirit and his filling in her life, what that does. So it's, she's not a slave to wine or possessions or the opinions of others. 
Rather, she seeks to live by the power of the Spirit, and his work in her shows in, in her love, her joy, her peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. She honestly sounds too good to be true, doesn't she? Well, maybe that's why this passage is a daunting one for those women asking themselves, am I one of the older women? And maybe why some of us don't step up to be a mentor. But she's to teach what others what is good, but she does it by her words and her example. But not so that she gets attention or credit, but so that those who know her are inspired by her example to know Christ better. That's exactly how Grace inspired me. I watched her parenting her four boys, and I wondered if I could have the same patience and discipline to parent my two. She reached out to me, but not just to me, but many others, to meet needs we weren't even aware we had. She spoke well of her husband and supported his leadership in their family. I hinted earlier that some of my mom's shortcomings left me um, needing the influence of other women in my life, godly women. My mom struggled with taking a supportive role under the leadership of my dad in our home. I believe that God allowed Grace's influence on me to be at this crucial time where I was at home and caring for my children and my husband. It's a lot of times that I felt discontent in that period of my life, and I think Grace was a very critical piece of that, um, of God's solution for me. Her example was different from the resistance I witnessed in my own mom and began the pivot my own marriage was going to need in coming years. Grace encouraged me to join a weekly Bible study and eventually suggested that I step up to leadership of a small group. She was honest and genuine without ever being judgmental or or condescending. She prayed for me. I knew she prayed for me. Through her, my network of other women grew, and I was further encouraged in relationships. I met with Grace... um, We've lived in four states and have moved, I forget how many times since we first, Ron and I were first married, but this was in New Jersey, and I had moved to Pennsylvania, and I told Grace later, years later, that she had been all these things to me, and she just smiled and humbly said, really? She didn't even know the influence she was having on me. I had grown as a godly woman through knowing Grace, and when God picked up my family and moved us to a new home in another state... I continued my pattern of growth in leadership and a deepening walk with God. I became part of the leadership in women's Bible study in my new church. And after a few years, when a young woman approached me and asked if I would mentor her, I nearly fell over. I didn't see myself that way because while I was comfortable preparing and discussing passages of scripture in my Bible study group, I felt like I couldn't possibly teach Kristen anything from my life. What we had in common were sons who had been diagnosed with ADHD, and we faced the challenges of parenting well. I was very aware of my shortcomings, and many of our sessions together left me confessing how little I knew. But the one thing I faithfully did was point her back to Christ, his strength in our weakness, his wisdom in giving us these boys, and ultimately our need to die to our desire for an easy, no-hassle home life, so that we could grow up along with our boys in loving God and each other. 
Those words from Titus 2 became real to me. My job was not to solve Kristen's parenting struggles. It was to train her to love her husband and her children. Of course, I wasn't operating in a vacuum at the same time as I was meeting with Kristen. I was beginning to ask, where are the older women who can teach me? And the answer that rose to the surface is, is that there were very few of them. That drove me to deeper relationship with peers who I gave permission to hold me accountable. A few years later, those vulnerable, intimate conversations over life issues with my peers and what the Bible has to say about them truly transformed my thinking. When my husband lost his job and was devastated by it, I had deep spiritual friendships with at least three other women, all who ministered to me differently but poured into me so I could become the wife unlike what I saw in my own mom, who yielded to my husband in a way I had never done before. The growth in our marriage and our home was just life-changing. About this time, I met another young woman. Her name also was Kristen, who was a new believer. We were sitting making wreaths at our church's um, crafting session for, the, for decorations for Christmas. And she mentioned, I had I just met her, I didn't know anything about her, so as we were talking, she mentioned she had just begun learning about her new relationship uh, with God, and she was struggling to read the Bible. And she said, and I quote, I'm trying to read it every day, but it's just so boring. <laughs> this period in my life was one of devouring scripture, like I'd never done before. And my heart was just crushed to hear that my lifeline was lifeless to her. We continued crafting at our table of eight or so women, and as we walked to our cars at the end, my heart was just pounding. And I went up to her, and I told her I had enjoyed meeting her, and I told her how sad it made me that we could, she couldn't understand the Bible for herself when it was something that I looked forward to every single day for refreshment. And I had done a study a couple of years earlier in a Bible study small group that was meant to be an overview of the Bible. And I asked her if she would like to meet with me to cover the whole Bible in a study with me. It was such a joy to share the message of the Bible with someone who had never been taught any of the stories I had known all my life. And it wasn't a dry, boring reading. In fact, every single time we met, we found ourselves discussing how relevant it is to our lives. Now, I want to go back to that passage in in Titus 2 where it says older women are to be teaching younger women. Kristen had not grown up in a Christian family. She had moved to the area I lived in in Pennsylvania to leave a man she had been living with in Florida. But not because she'd been convicted she was living with somebody she wasn't married to. But in the meantime, um, she had come to know Christ, but not every part of her life was reflecting her belonging to him. She began talking during one of our study sessions about dating a guy. She had gone online and met this guy, and he was a Christian. And as we talked, she said she'd been staying overnight at his house and sleeping with him. Now, staying pure sexually was an area I had instructed my sons in. I had done Bible studies with women about this, but I had never actually challenged someone who didn't have to obey me to stay pure. (laughs) But this passage says older women are to teach younger women to be self-controlled and pure. 
So I decided Kristen and I needed to discuss sex as God's gift to married couples. We had a loving, frank discussion, and I challenged her to stay pure from that moment. She listened, and she agreed that she needed to obey God in this area of her life. And she had planned to see her, but the next time she saw her boyfriend, she would tell him that she wouldn't be sleeping at his house anymore. And I don't guarantee this outcome for the rest of you if you have this conversation, but I want to tell you something miraculous actually happened that only God could have orchestrated. When she next saw him, he told her he didn't think they should continue in the way they had been, and he asked her to marry him. Yes. She said yes, and soon they were living pure married lives. But I believe the shift in her thinking had already happened so that she was willing and ready to take that step. This topic is a very sensitive one and can become about rule following and condemnation unless the older woman woman loves the younger woman and understands God's design. Since this time, I've realized the need for older women to be open to discussing marriage, sex, and parenting from a biblical perspective with younger women who are open to wisdom from God. I don't mean we just go shove it down people's throats. Did you hear what I said? Younger women who are open to wisdom from God. This is why I believe Paul's instruction in Titus centers around practical principles focused on home life. This passage isn't all-inclusive of all the topics women need to be taught. It doesn't even say exactly how we're supposed to do it. It just says what we're supposed to do. But it is a topic best taught by a wise loving older woman to a teachable younger woman. These topics that he's saying here are not something that men can be teaching women. Women need to teach these things. I've had the privilege of mentoring five women in the last 15 years when I realized I was one of the older women. In fact, each of these were unique relationships, some centering around studying the Bible together, Others less structured but deeply intimate. Some, lasted, some of them last to this day in closeness and others were just for a season. I don't think there's any exact formula for how mentoring relationships begin, but knowing the purpose of mentoring may give you some insight into whether or not you want to be a mentor or to be mentored. But honestly, it's not about whether we want to or not because scripture says we are supposed to be doing it. I've hinted at some of these in my own experiences, but if you'll let me outline them here, I'd like to share some basic purposes for mentoring. The first one is to enhance intimacy with God, understand our identity in Christ, and how we uniquely display his glory. That often, often will happen for a young woman with a Christian mother, but how many of our young women today don't understand who they are in Christ, and how they can uniquely display his glory, or even to understand that there's an intimate relationship they can have with God. The second thing is for, in this relationship, is to recognize God's activity in the mentee's life. And I want to make sure this is clear, because mentoring someone is not necessarily a counseling session, or giving them advice, or teaching them how to cook or all of the things that we might impose on them for how we do something. Instead, it's recognizing God's activity in that woman's life so she can recognize God's activity in her life. 
It's also the third thing to develop character and Christ-like qualities. This, again, has to happen by example. You cannot, as an older person, older woman, tell someone what a Christ-like quality is if you can't even see it in your own life. So it's about the mentor becoming Christ-like so that she is able to develop those, those character qualities by example in her mentee. The fourth thing, it's to discern God's direction in decision-making. And again, it's not about the mentor telling the woman what to do. Discernment comes by the Spirit. And we communicate that way by praying for the person we're mentoring and with them. Prayer is an important aspect of the spiritual mentoring relationship. The fifth um, purpose that I'd like to address is it helps the mentee then to make life-changing steps. Often those things are a little scary to do on your own. I use my own example of where I was in my struggle in parenting with two young boys, and I needed that shift in thinking from the, what I had brought from my own home family. I needed another perspective that allowed me to become a wife that wasn't resistant to my husband, that showed love to my children, and Grace was that example for me. So she helped me make life-changing steps and even prepared me for future ones I wasn't even ready to make yet. I didn't even know I needed to make yet. We've seen the qualities that Paul says the older woman is to possess, and so let me translate that into who she is. She is one who creates a welcoming space of trust and intimacy. She is one who's able to discern God's activity in the mentee. So again, it's not what she's thinking. Her focus is on the person that she's pouring into. She recognizes potential in others. She is one who is affirmed by others as having a life worthy of imitating. So this person, they're going to have visible qualities that other people... I, I actually think that the first woman who approached me... Someone told her, ask Amy if she can be your mentor. I don't think she necessarily recognized it because we didn't really know each other. But sometimes it means that somebody else recognizes somebody who would be a good mentor and points that young woman in that direction. So she is someone who's affirmed by others as having a life worthy of imitating. She, the mentor is one who seeks to live a life of authentic holiness, spiritual maturity, Biblical knowledge and wisdom. Uh, the, I believe it's a writer of Hebrews um, tells those people, those believers who should be mature, why are you still sitting there needing milk? You should be eating solid food. The mentor is one who is no not just complacent in her own walk with God. She is constantly in the Word and growing in maturity spiritually so that she has food that she can nourish somebody else with. She is familiar with and practices contemplative prayer, listening, and other spiritual disciplines. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 3, I believe it is, uh, Paul is talking to women who are married to unbelievers that they can win their husbands without words. It's done by having a gentle and quiet spirit. This woman that's able to mentor doesn't always have her own thoughts always going on in her own mind. She's able to listen, have a, her own spirit is quiet, and it's gentle. 
Finally, then, who is the mentee, the younger woman? Well, this woman is, doesn't have to be any certain age. She could be a teenager. She could be 70. But she is going to be one who desires spiritual growth and maturity. She has to want to ask questions about life and God. There's not going to be any kind of mentoring relationship if this woman isn't curious to know more about life, herself, and God. She has to be vulnerable in sharing intimate issues of life. Again, the, the mentoring relationship is meant to be one that's where there's sharing of intimacy and openness so that the two women are able to, um, to come together and look at what scripture has to say and move forward about intimate issues. She's one who's responsive, respectful, and teachable. The quality of the mentee is most of all is that she's teachable. In closing, I'd like you, I'd like to challenge you to read the entire letter that Paul wrote to Titus. Because essentially, it is a letter from a mentor to a mentee. I want you to take note of how Paul speaks to Titus. What does he do to help Titus see God's activity in his life? How does he affirm Titus's potential? In what ways does he urge Titus to live an authentically holy life? And as you're reading that letter, I want you to read chapter 2 thoughtfully to discern, to discern whether you're one of the older women who's been charged with mentoring a younger woman, or are you a younger woman in need of spiritual growth and someone to ask questions about intimate issues and what God has to say about them? If you would indulge me, I'd like to ask God. I've just given you a challenge, but it's not from me. I want you to um, accept that challenge as from God. So I'm going to pray for us that we have this mentality. I think this year is about taking next steps, right, Barbara? So um, I'd like to challenge you to, to see whether this is an area that God wants you to take steps in. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the body that you've put us in as women and the structure that you've surrounded uh, our, our teaching and growth to happen in is women to women. And I pray that as we, um, as we look at what your word has to say, we would honestly ask ourselves whether we are women who are um, able to mentor because we have a walk with you that's close or we want that walk or whether we need to be mentored because we need growth in that area. I pray for each woman here as she takes this challenge to read through this letter from Paul to Titus to um, ask for your wisdom and discernment for whether she is a, an older woman who should step up to be willing and live in a way that um, affirms other women in their walk or a younger woman who desires that and would seek someone out. We pray that you would provide the tools and equipping, even in this women's ministry, for those kind of relationships to happen. We're so thankful that you care about us so much that you allow us to share life with each other. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask these things and a blessing on each woman here. Amen.
Thank you, Amy. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you so much.